politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Bo? How come you never call Travis first? Okay. Travis! Wait, how come you don't call me first? I'm so annoyed. <laughs> what do you want what's up all right so qr codes right you guys know hate about them. qr codes hate them yep. we've written articles about qr codes we know that during covid a lot of restaurants using qr codes keep people safe not having to handle menus uh we 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 know that in a lot of cities they now do QR codes on parking machines and things like that, meters. Wait, what's uh, that? I haven't heard about that. Travis, you were telling us a story recently about it. Yeah, there's a uh, scam going around where uh, someone's been putting fake QR codes, or not fake QR codes, but QR codes on parking meters uh, that redirects people to malware. And then, so when they see it, they think, um, they think it's a, uh, you know, it's something associated with like a parking meter app or what have you. Seriously, QR codes are incredibly problematic. I've never understood the concept. Well, I, I get it. But the fact is you point your phone at something that is by its very nature, cryptic, right? Right. And you it, have no idea where it's going to take and you. And it causes your, your, your device to go do something. It could cause your device to do anything. Yeah, and anyone can print one out. How serious is it, though? Because I go to restaurants, obviously we all go to restaurants where they have low or no touch situations, and part of that is the menu is on a QR code. But it is a leap of faith, you're right. You go to a restaurant, you point your camera, your phone, whatever, at this thing, it says, happy to open it in whatever the browser is usually yeah. chrome yeah you open it and there's a menu but what if there isn't a menu what if you think there's a menu but you are actually on the menu yeah or the, also there could be a menu and 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 malware it doesn't mean just because there's you know the thing that you're expecting is there doesn't mean there's something you're not expecting also there I personally, when I go to a restaurant and they have a QR code, I just claim that I don't understand the technology and can they please give me a real menu? Yeah, even if it's a, a legit menu at a restaurant, even if the QR code wasn't put there by a scammer, you still don't know the privacy policy of the website you're going to. It could be tracking your location. It could be setting cookies on your device. Uh, you just There's no way of knowing just by looking at a QR code. And I, I would imagine also the manufacturer, the, 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 the company generating the QR codes, 
you also don't know. And they also could be putting some sort of tag on their, on, on their product that is traceable. It's totally possible, isn't it? Yeah. Yet another wonderful thing that supposedly makes life more convenient and doesn't really if it happens to be somebody who wants to inconvenience you. Well, just remember, it's the whole clash between security and convenience. And convenience, unfortunately, tends to win out often. For me, like, you know, convenience versus security is nowhere more obvious than in password use management. You know, the, 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 the answer you get when somebody, you know, when somebody uses their password as their wife's name or something, and you say, well, why'd you do that? The answer is, because I can remember it. No, you have to make the analysis pro versus con. You know, pro, it's easy. Con, it's stealable. Pro, yeah. I came up with something indecipherable, con, but I put it everywhere in my universe. But it's it also is risk versus reward. The risk that you're willing to take, and and I I don't know maybe I maybe that's why I live in the woods, you know, and 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 my only friends are coyotes and squirrels. But the the I don't like to take those risks. I don't. And um and and I I would prefer not to have the quick menu or the or the the immediate gratification if it also means that I'm going to spend the next three days on the phone trying to figure out whether or not I got hacked. Well, there's no question coming from a man who basically roasts his almonds and then dumps oil all over them. <laughs> no, you do sometimes take the long road. I don't dump the oil. I or I've it. seen you simply eat a pat of butter, you know, directly. And I go, yeah, don't you yeah, want to yeah. put it on something? It's true. it's true. But anyway. It's true. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin, cyber revolutionary. I'm Bo Friedlander, cyber scaredy cat. And I'm Travis Taylor, cyber reactionary. And today we're talking to Brian Fenimore, who got into some trouble reusing passwords. Interestingly enough, I was with Brian's brother and sister-in-law in Los Angeles this weekend. Oh. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike. 
with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. Oh, there he is. All right, how's that? Oh, much better. So, so, Brian, you're the younger, handsomer brother or the older, <laughs> handsomer brother? So we have two cousins in the family, uh, similar, older brother, younger brother. Every family event, when I see them, they come up and they say, are you the smart one or the handsome one? <laughs> I was just with your brother. Is So is he younger or are you, are you older or younger? He's older. He's got five years on me. Oh, okay. Yep. So Brian, Brian, you're a GQ model. It's clear you are. But so how long have you been a GQ model? Oh, I, I know. It's always, it's my favorite thing on earth is to talk to GQ models who have been hacked. Gosh. <laughs> anyway, Brian, thank you for joining us today. And, it's a, it's uh, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. I am Adam. I, I know you by way of your, your brother and your sister-in-law. This is Bo who we know by way of his Hollywood presence. Brian, very nice to see you today. Likewise. And and Travis, who has a voice two octaves lower than the Lord's. Indeed. We're delighted to have you. And we hear that you got a, a pretty interesting story and it involves password protocols. So, but, you know, before we do all that, it's always uh, fun for us to kind of get to know you as you. So, where are you coming from right now? Well, I'm uh, geographically in Leesburg, Virginia. Um, by profession, I work in information security, and somehow I've made it my career to help modernize technology for large organizations, help out with cloud migrations, and really help InfoSec organizations try to keep pace with a DevOps type of cadence. Um, prioritize real-world risk, balance that with uh, regulatory controls and documented risk. Um, and it's it's been pretty good so far. It's brought me into a lot of really interesting scenarios. Uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, work with some brilliant people who were very willing to teach me from their experiences. And I feel like I'm at the phase in my career where I'm paying that forward to the next generation as well. I have I have two questions for you. The first is just for our listeners who may not know what DevOps 
are. So can you tell us in, in sort of plain English what DevOps is involved? So the, the term DevOps is derived from a combination of development and operations. So in traditional information technologies organizations, there would be a group that creates the information systems that we're using. And then there would yeah. be a group that maintains them day to day, is responsible for installing them, deploying them. Now, are these um, databases, email, what is it? Everything? Everything under the sun. Uh, an information system is any collection of computers, servers, or services. If you go to a website, uh, it could have a backend database, uh, some sort of a data store, stateful or stateless. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and essentially, in, in the in the old days, it was a collection of physical machines in a data center. And now with cloud, it's more becoming a representation of software. So, so my role is and has always been to keep the bad people out of the information ah. systems okay. um, through whatever means necessary. And that's the infosec or information security part. Yes, absolutely. And then the the DevOps component was really, it, it was a modernization or a refresh into how we manage those services. And it it shortened the bridge between that operational team and the development team. And it allowed the developers to get closer to the systems that were essentially their babies. The developers create these pieces of technology. They live in the real world. And there were different people responsible for maintaining uptime or availability of those systems. And so by bringing the developers closer to those systems, it gets them closer to the forefront to see the problems. And the, the faster they can see the problems and understand them, the faster they can get a solution deployed. And so one of the scary things at a previous company where we implemented DevOps, we were performing thousands of production deployments a day. So we were touching cash generating systems. We were touching them thousands of times per day in order to fix some sort of bug. It could be adding a new feature. It could be fixing a bug that we were seeing. And so the DevOps methodology is about moving very, very fast. And then if you're moving very fast, chances are you're going to fail at some point. So there's the cultural side of learning to embrace that failure. And then there's the tactical side of learning to, it's called fail fast a lot within the industry, but it's learning to embrace that failure and then very quickly move into a solution and get that solution implemented as quickly as possible. Got it. Travis. Yes. Is there any reason why I'm understanding this? Must be that Brian's good at explaining it. I don't know. But this is also sort of your world of fascination, no? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I think one question I have for you, too, is uh, you mentioned the cloud before. And um, obviously, there's, uh, you know, headlines, I think, every week about some massive cloud breach of some sort. And I'm wondering, is there one specific uh, platform or technology that you found to be markedly more secure than others? Or is it all just sort of... Uh, um, do each of them just come with their own set of vulnerabilities? That is definitely a loaded question. And I, <laughs> yes. what I heard, <laughs> love the loaded question. <laughs> what I heard was which cloud platform amongst the big three with AWS, GCP, and Azure, which would be the most secure to use? Uh, That's so unfair, Travis. It's what he does I, I for a living. Give, <laughs> I'm trying to get some dirt. <laughs> two, two answers, right? So one, okay. I would choose the most mature. Mm -hmm. Uh, most mature as in like Adam or the most mature like me emotionally? 
Loaded questions all over the place. <laughs> well, the, the answer is definitely not going to help because the answer is the oldest. <laughs> okay. So That'd Adam be would... me. <laughs> Sorry, Adam. Um, it, it, the longer that they've been around, the more likely that they've encountered failures more often and mm -hmm. the more likely they're going to be doing something about it. And, and a well, wonderful example. Some things have encountered failures more often. Some of us, you know, we, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, Adam. Well, a, a good example of that was uh, the recent breach of Capital One. There, mm -hmm. was an, there was an AWS function, which is, in, in my experience, because of the name they call wait, it AWS now, for people roles. wait wait i just gotta break in for people who are listening to travis and brian going on the light trip in the light fantastic aws stands for amazon web services and it just is a place that it's a cloud service where a lot of companies many of which you do have business with are, are they actually exist yeah digitally that's where they they reside on aws no um, most entities, especially a lot of startups coming out, um, predominantly are running on AWS. GCP has begun capturing a lot of the hearts and minds. Um, and, and I think GCP really has an opportunity to look at what's working well with AWS and mm -hmm. to start to build on it. Um, Azure has tremendous potential as well. And, and that but I, I, I just was trying to clarify what AWS was. So let's go. So now that I've diverted you and everybody gets that AWS is AWS, you were telling Travis something super interesting about how AWS actually is terrible and no one should use it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff Bezos is paying particular attention to this. Right yes, now. listen, everyone's listening. <laughs> I, I would say the ultimate answer, Travis, is when you're moving into public cloud, you get the security that you bring with you. Right. Right. I a, a professional can secure Azure, GCP, or AWS to within acceptable risk levels. Mm -hmm. And a inexperienced person can bring a lot of insecurity with all three platforms as well. It's a shared responsibility model when it comes mm -hmm. to risk management and security. Um, and you really get what you bring with you. That makes sense. But you know, you see, you see a lot of situations where people go, "Well, it was the cloud provider's fault," and he goes, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" <laughs> you know, wait a minute. Uh, you know, the the business bears responsibility for securing data. These these services are um, potentially could create a lot of problems if they're not used correctly. And and I'm not advocating for guns or cloud based <laughs> cloud servers, but. Um, the the it it does have to do with you know even at that the high level of of work that you do there's still um you know this fast fail there's still the potential for human error a human error is baked into the process and no amount of um system building or design is going to stop it it sounds like to me is that is that right ryan I think that's a really good way to phrase that, Bo. Um, I, I would even bring the metaphor of for my car. If I put the wrong tires on my car and because of that, I lose traction and get into an accident, I'm not going to sue my automobile manufacturer. I made the choice to use that product in a way that is not safe. And so that probably gets far away from due diligence of a secure solution. And that kind of gets into the negligence side of securing your solution. 
Yeah, like kind of like putting diesel fuel in your unleaded (laughs) engine. (laughs) Ultimately, the cloud, I think the way I heard it be put most uh, succinctly is when you put something in the cloud, you're just putting it on someone else's computer. Yeah. It's it's a gross oversimplification, but it also uh, kind of helps imply, I think, some of the risk that you're taking. Well, and when you store something somewhere and you don't use encryption and you don't use a password and you don't do it carefully, then it's exposed, period. End of story. Which is a very fun way of getting to your story, which involves a form of, well, the ghost in the machine, which is humans, which in this case was you, human, you human being. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What happened to you, my human friend? Ah, long long ago, in the days when I was still attending college, um, I I had a Hotmail account. And Ah, um, when everyone had a Hotmail account? Yes, yes, right around that time. I'm not going to give the exact date. But it, it was before the millennial, millennium. Yes, before the it was millennium. 1966, and you're actually Jason Bourne, and you've been on the internet before we even knew what it was. <laughs> I like the setting. I'll take it. I can't remember anything that happened before two weeks ago. So uh, essentially, I went to log in to my Hotmail account, catch up with my friends, and couldn't log in. Uh, contacted, I can't remember if Hotmail was a part of Microsoft at the time or not. But I contacted them. I was able to gain access. And as I'm going through my inbox, I see all these emails. Um, the ones that caught my eye the most, and, and they all look kind of odd. Somebody was conducting business with my email account. So it was clear it had been compromised. But the ones that caught my eye were from eBay. And they were legitimate emails from eBay, from my eBay account. And of course, I had the same email address as an ID. And I had this same password on both accounts, but whoa, 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 whoa. Go on. Did you just say that you had the same username 
and the same password at eBay and Hotmail. I heard you asking before, man. I hear you asking now, but I can't do that. Yes, and this would be a good time to talk about the concept of blameless postmortems, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> no, this no, is no. also the time. This is the a music. no shame zone, but you're Jason Bourne. You're dun, Jason dun, 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 dun. Bourne. Okay. Don't you just take the past and put it in a room in the basement and lock the door and never go in there? Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and for, by the way, touche. <laughs> So, um, absolute mistake. And it was a, a trivial password, right? Not as no, trivial but I, as... But I do have to... Not rubbing it in here at all. I've point taken. At this point in your life, you had no role. You weren't doing InfoSec. You were a student, correct? Oh, yeah. I was a physics major and a mathematics major. And I knew enough about computers at the time to check my email. Gotcha. Sometimes. When my password worked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but you know, the eBay transactions, I started investigating them and they were for small electronic devices. Uh, hmm. we, we didn't really have cell phones. So they were sort of like PDAs, personal data assistants, uh, some earlier versions of cell phones, and they were all being shipped to an address in Nigeria. Oh, Nigeria, where the where I actually have three times inherited a huge amount of money. Oh, congratulations. Was it the same prince? I was informed <laughs> via email. A prince, yeah. I'm I'm actually ni a little Nigerian, I guess, because I'm related to a prince from Nigeria. Who's died three times, so he's also maybe a cat. <laughs> it may have been, those may have been sourcing from the same location as where those electronics were being shipped. It's, it's highly possible. Um, but I was able to get in and reset the eBay password. Um, I, I never found out if the items actually shipped or not, but, mm. uh, the lesson that I learned was, uh, password diversity, I would call it and avoiding password reuse, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's using the same credential at multiple services, multiple sites. All right, Brian. So you're, are you aware of some other password related scams when you weren't, you know, saving the world as part of Treadstone? Uh, thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. Um, I, I am. I am. And th this one's a little bit scary. And, you know, I, I don't like to encourage fear or uncertainty or doubt, but um, it, it really is a scary situation. Uh, a really good friend, close colleague of mine, they have a home security system with smart cameras. Mm -hmm. And those smart cameras, we're, we're all fairly familiar with that setup. Uh, you set a username and password. You can look at the video activity, get alerts on if there's motion, things like that. And he had the whole house uh, wired with them. So, yes, very, very trusted technology within the home. Okay. And un unfortunately, one night uh, they heard talking coming out of the microphone. Mm -hmm. one of their children was present. Oh boy. And so it was, you know, easy to feel incredibly exposed during that time. Was it like a baby monitor or was it coming through the security system? It was a, I would describe it as a smart camera without giving away proper nouns. But it was a connected home device. 100%. Mm. Okay, so it was not just a out of the box right. uh, camera. You know, back in the day um, and 
uh, we're, we're all familiar with this. Um, can't when there you could get these cams, um, close circuit, close circuit cameras, and and other online cameras that um, were delivered. They were the first Internet of Things devices, really, with a default password. And those default passwords were listed on databases that were frequented by threat actors. And so there were websites. I don't know if you remember this, Brian. You probably do. Do you remember the websites where you could actually just scroll through every single publicly accessible camera to see what you were actually doing when you weren't working for the government when you were? I, I can one-up that because okay. it, it was even more trivial. There was a specific brand of camera where you could do a Google search because of the way that Google was indexing and crawling the internet, they were discovering these cameras if they were put on a public interface. And you could just go to Google, type in some string. I forget the manufacturer and I probably wouldn't say it if I did, but mm -hmm. you just put the string in and you get full access to their camera. So wherever right. it's pointed. And if I'm not mistaken, that model of camera had the pan, zoom, tilt functionality. So you could actually redirect it and point it around and see what else. So there's, it's definitely been a growing experience for the industry to learn how to properly secure these things. Didn't they, didn't they also have a situation involving New York schools where someone hacked into, you know, because a lot of schools allow parents to look at younger children in class to see if they're being treated properly, if they're getting the right kind of education. I know they were doing that in some of the secondary schools in New York City. And someone hacked into a system and was basically watching children. Not to be confused with also the story where a Russian site was actually into 77,000 households worldwide where you could go. And it was like the movie Sliver where someone... That, one was, got, that was so creepy because there were, it was yeah. literally knock on any door and there was it was endless. It was endless. It was also endlessly boring, but it was, um, but, <laughs> but you could, you could just look and look and look and look. But I want to get back to this because, you know, talk about InfoSec. Um, you have a system that is um, uh, designed for private use that has a serious inf information security uh, risk factor, right? Which is, if someone gets in, gets your password, they can they can download the app and see everything that's going on in your home. Is that correct? It is, and and that was actually the root cause of the problem. The provider wasn't doing a very good job making sure that the people that were logging in were really the people that were logging in. The burden, the burden of authentication, the burden of knowing and trusting who you are working with, who you are communicating with, that burden is on the service provider. I know who I am. You all should know who you are, hopefully. Um, but if you are authenticating to a service, that burden of authentication is on the service provider. Hey, so does that mean to say that if someone logs into, say, my Instagram account and from Spain right now, and Instagram knows where I am better than I do, probably. They know my, my travel patterns. They know, you know where I log in. They know my IP address. 
who's who is it should instagram really be the ones to say wait a minute this is not Bo. Bo is not in spain because they're 100%. not doing that i i agree completely with instagram in that in that context right no no shots at instagram but in that context instagram would have the obligation the responsibility and the accountability to make sure that this is in fact Bo who wants to post these cat pictures on instagram i'm just presuming um but You're dead right <laughs> usually and, dogs and I, I i really see that I, I had a long conversation with um aws and i'll say aws because once again i don't look that great in this story um i, I was using a two-factor application highly recommended for anybody that can use it two-factor authentication on my phone for my personal aws console and it got destroyed at a water park so I had also neglected to update my mailing address in between when I have moved locations. And so calling AWS, they had no way to verify that it was me. The email address was up to date and fine. The okay. physical mailing address was not. So in order to bypass the two-factor token that I had on my phone, yeah. the little the thing that generates the random numbers, um, in order to bypass that, the email verification, which shows that I'm in possession of my email credential, mm -hmm. that was not adequate to bypass the two-factor. Hmm. Wow. So what did you do? So I, I was really impressed with the way that AWS handled it. They had a process. I had to fill out paperwork, get it notarized, and mail it in via snail mail in wow. order to get access to my account again. Okay, that's impressive and super annoying. I I was super annoyed and happy. There, there's got to be a word for that emotion, annoyed happiness. There's a German word for it, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, take us all the way back to the uh, late 90s again, uh, <laughs> in terms of your... Um, uh, password compromise. Um, one thing I'm sort of wondering about is uh, right now there's a huge cottage industry for uh, selling just databases full of um, compromised passwords and logins and the like. I don't think that was the case uh, when your email password was compromised. So how do you think that happened? Ah, great, great question. Thanks for bringing that up. So just a week before the compromise, um, I had logged on to a very small website to buy some very old candy. Some, some, some friends and I were sitting around like reminiscing as college students do. And it, it was sort of like, it, they were like fizzy candies that do something. I don't remember. We had them as kids. I remember I, those fizzy candies. Yeah. The hot rocks or whatever they call them. Yeah. They were good. It was, I don't know if it was worth the compromise, but sometimes uh, when you get the munchies, you just need to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, logged into the website. They require you to set up an account. They require you to set up a password. And my bad habit extended to that. So same username, same hotmail mm -hmm. email address, same poorly you poorly conceived password. Um, and I I highly suspect that that small shop was not properly secured um and you know just just because it happened afterward does it doesn't necessarily mean mean that it caused it but it's a little too strong of a coincidence but it, it's a great segue into something that adam had said where it was how secure you are no matter how secure you are 
you're only as secure as the services that you are using, right? It, it's like dating in high school. If, if you get mono, it's because the people you're dating probably had mono. And so if you are using different services on the internet, your security level is reduced to the weakest point in the chain. And that could certainly segue into a deep conversation about supply chain risk, but I won't tug on that particular thread. <laughs> or why I never dated anyone in high school. <laughs> oh, come on. That's not why. But... Uh... <laughs> So what now let me ask you now you're in infosec what is the takeaway what do you do now and what does your more importantly your friend who had that horrible experience what 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 are their password what's the password hygiene like now good good and, and the root cause from my colleague's situation was also a common password that was used on multiple sites yeah um so similar root cause quirky yeah. <laughs> so, so to counter that, um, my recommendation to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the IT sysad guy within the family. Most of us that work in IT are close to it, become that. Um, and, and my recommendation is come up with two, two portions of your password, at least two. Um, one should be fairly complicated, but trivial for you to remember not attached to anything personal to you. Don't use the last four of your social or your favorite pet's name. Um, there's a very famous internet comic on XKCD where he talks about password complexity. And uh, I think he uses battery horse stapler. And he goes into how it's very difficult to compromise that type of password as opposed to something with uppercase, lowercase, special characters. Um, and I won't go too far in, into that, but come up with a string that you use and you easily remember that's strong and then come up with some sort of a mnemonic or memory device for the specific service and then combine those two things. Um, Brian, Travis, Adam, squirrel. I mean, the, so, but it is the three word strategy that Travis, you're always banging on about. Yep. This was great. We really appreciate you sharing your story with us sharing insights with us and uh you know i think this was a it was a very beneficial opportunity for a lot of people listening in to you know learn and it's sometimes it doesn't matter how professional you are the smallest thing can bring you down so um to brian we do thank you and we look forward to having you back on again well, thank you, Adam, Bo, and Travis. It was a delightfully stimulating conversation. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. And please, if you could just send me some some of the pass the the um, passports you're not using anymore, um, I'd really appreciate it. Yeah, he loved it. He loved the the one that you were using in Prague. It was very impressive. Yeah, I just want some fizzy candy. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Bye, Jason Bourne. Listen, if you like What the Hack with Adam Levin, 
keep listening. Download it every week. It, we're here every week. And, um, and you can really help people find the show by doing a few things. One of them is writing a review. But if you don't have time, Adam, what else can they do? Give us five stars. And we're available wherever you get your podcasts. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.